Thank you for checking out Value Driven Life. I'm your host, Coach Chris McMahon, and today I'm sitting down and chatting with Annie Breeze. She is the co-founder of Balance 365. Uh, I previously had uh, Jen on um, a few episodes back, and together they have created this amazing community, amazing coaching system to help other people break out of diet cycle, be able to learn how to self-trust again, and be able to do some really amazing things. And I'm just, I'm so stoked that I get to talk to you today. I am so stoked to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So for folks who who don't know who you are, do you think you could give yourself a little introduction, Annie? Yes. Uh, it's my favorite topic. No, just, just teasing. Just teasing. <laughs> um, as Chris said, my name is Annie Breeze. I am 39. I live in Iowa, the Midwest of the United States. I am a single mom. I've got three kids, ages six to 13 in there. Um, I have a long, long history of body image struggles, efforts to diet and lose weight never, ever worked for me as many, as many people come to find out. And in the process of, I guess, pursuing my own fitness goals and weight loss goals, I realized how in love with exercise and movement I was. I've always been an athlete. That led to a job in the fitness industry as a group fitness instructor. And as you know, Chris, like you get that little taste in a gym and you're like, oh, and then we could do this and we could do this. And that just snowballed into wellness coaching and mindset coaching and weightlifting and powerlifting and a whole host of like activities and interests within the the health and wellness industry. And about seven years ago, as you said, Jen and I founded uh, Balance 365 and it's just been like a whirlwind of awesomeness since. Uh, I absolutely love every part of your story, Annie, because I think for people who get started on this whole journey, they usually don't hit it out of the park on their first try. That's not that's mm-hmm. not a normal thing, and very clearly that's a part of your journey. It didn't it didn't it didn't stick or make sense in the beginning. How did you begin to start to, I don't know, work through that, or at least be able to find some level of consistency with in what you were doing? Um. That's a good question, Chris. I unfortunately think the shift in my trajectory to diet-based, fast law, fat, fast results, quick results, thinking to more sustainable habit, health-centric focused behaviors started because I was kind of at rock bottom. I was super, super frustrated that I couldn't get results and I couldn't get results because I felt like I could not stick with anything for even a day. Sometimes I had the best intentions every morning when I woke up, like, okay, this is going to be the day. This is going to be the, the time that I actually stick to something. And by afternoon or evening, I would just be like, I can't do this. This is like too difficult. I, my desires for doing other things, eating other things was too great. I had a new baby at the time. I was just 
emotionally and physically tired. And it was really, really frustrating. And it left me kind of this nothing's ever going to work attitude. And so as a result, I thought if I can't lose weight, at least I could do things that help my health, that that keep me healthy. And one of those things was like exercise. Another one I remember focusing on was fruits and vegetables. And the irony was when I let go of the dieting and the weight centric focus, I lost the weight that I was always looking for. (laughs) And it was just, I remember thinking like, this is wild. I had tried every diet under the sun, nothing I could, I I could, they might have worked for other people, but I couldn't stick with them. Like I could not cut out carbs for more than a day. I could not follow my meal plan for more than a day. And the fact that kind of creating this healthy lifestyle on my own terms and based off of my own interests and desires was actually the thing that stuck was like, okay, well, this was a lot easier than I was making it. But also as a result, I was, that's really like what drives my passion for balance 365 is if I can save women, all that struggle and that suffering and the try this and then this, and then failing and quitting, because what happens like me, so many women come to us and they're like, I have tried everything. I don't even think I can do it. Like they are so fixed mindset based. They are like, nothing's going to work, but they still have this desire. There's still this part of them. That's like, okay, maybe, maybe. And so we are like the last house on the block. They have tried everything else. And there's a little bit of hope that maybe something can actually work for them. But for the most part, they're still feeling like pretty skeptical that it can happen. Yeah. So what I really love about that, Annie, like when I hear you say all of this, it's that you have to practice this thing called self-compassion. But the other level of that is weight loss very often is a game of subtraction. Like that is what people think. If I just take Mm -hmm. this away, then something will be added to my life. If I take Mm -hmm. this away, then I will have another piece added to my life. If I take this and it, what people don't understand is when you're doing subtraction, you're never going to end up with more. You're going to end up with <laughs> less. And they think math doesn't work that way. Yes. Uh, but your story and what for a lot of my clients and my own story and, you know, is, is the game of addition. That's, that's mm-hmm. what it is. What can I add into my life without having to subtract so many other things that I actually enjoy. Like, yeah, these things aren't bad or good. It's like, oh, if I go for a walk today, there are all the benefits. Sure. Technically, I'm making my body more active. So yeah, that probably helps if I'm still thinking about weight loss. But it's like, oh, wait, what else did I gain from this Mm -hmm. addition? Like, oh, if I eat my fruits and vegetables, and I get some fiber in there. Oh, I'm actually full between meals but yes. I'm eating more. I don't understand. So addition. Like yeah. it's like, it's, it's this game of addition. Yeah. And if you think about like any other human in your life, if you, as you said, like consistently subtract from their life, you take things away, take things, not just take things away, but take things away that they probably really enjoy, you know, like, um, sleeping in, pizza, 
alcohol, brownies, cookies, like there, you, you continuously do that. You're right, Chris, like you're going to subtract and you're going to get pretty close to like zero. Like life just isn't fun when you consistently do that. And so the whole piece of self-compassion in this to have the perspective of, I can add to my life in a way that is really caring and concerned with not just what I'm doing today, but also what happens down the road, either a year, five years, 10 years, because I care about myself. That doesn't mean that I'm always like cutting myself slack. It doesn't mean I let myself off the hook. It also doesn't mean that I beat myself up. Like that middle ground of self-compassion, giving myself what I want and what I need was a game changer. And because my previous attempts were to just take away, take away, take away, like beat yourself into the ground. You're never good enough. This isn't, you need to work harder, head down, no excuses. And like, that's just not a fun way to live life in my experience. No, it's really not. Like you think about it, if you if you think about like waking up and immediately going and you step on the scale and you haven't, if you are using a scale, right, and you haven't developed the awareness to be like, it's just a data point. It's not like a significant measure of who I am as a person or not a significant indicator if what I'm doing is working or not working sometimes. And you're already starting off going, all right, I'm a failure mm-hmm. like that that's not really building that level of one self-efficacy to um, self-compassion. Like it's, there's so much more going on to it. And so like the thing that's rad about 365 and, and your approach is that it's so much driven by value, but also driven by competency, giving Mm -hmm. you the level of awareness to be like, okay, if I eat a whole tray of brownies today, that's probably not going to help me feel X or Y. It might be delicious. We all have days like that. I could probably still enjoy like one or two brownies though, right? Versus being like, I can never have this mm-hmm. when I can never have this and I see it. Oh, okay. Well, then there's your scarcity mindset. There's the there's the need to overindulge because you can never have it. You're bad if you have it. It's a bad thing, right? There's this whole mm-hmm. level of self-understanding along that way too, that you do a wonderful job of explaining and and your community very clearly starts to begin to understand that too. There's got to be a lot of light bulbs that go off for people when they have that discovery too. Yeah. Well, and I love that you touched on that, Chris, because when you... I think ultimately we've talked about this before on Instagram um, and I think even the podcast that you did with us. Ultimately, I think people want to trust themselves. They want to know that they are good for themselves. They want to know that they can take care of themselves. And the women we work with currently do not have that belief in themselves when they come to us. And they have been outsourcing what they should do, how they should think, what, like what choices they should make to other people or other programs or the scale, you know, like you said, you step on the scale. If the scale is up, these are my set of behaviors that I'm going to do for the day. If the scale is down, these are the set of behaviors I'm going to have for the day. Like they're not actually checking them with themselves. They're letting all these external outside resources dictate how they move through life. And when you know anything really well, whether that's a subject at school or 
cars or skateboarding or how to floss your teeth, you then feel confident in it, right? Like that's a precursor to feeling good about yourself. You also have to know what you are trying to feel good about. And so the, the sheer act of checking in with yourself when you are choosing something, anything, it can be, it doesn't even have to be health behavior related, but like when you're picking out an outfit, instead of thinking, what will other people think? What will other people like this? Is this what other people are wearing? Or is this too weird? Checking in, like, what do I think of this? Do I like this? Is this good enough for me? And and you can do that with food. You could do that with your career. You could do that with how you raise your family. Like, and when you, and when you start doing that, I think it's just like it's magic. Yeah, it's such a delicate process too. Because here's here's what I've noticed, at least whether it be through the world of social media or through specific people who either end of the spectrum where they are with like their if they're super diet culture, if they are anti-diet culture, if they're weight neutral practices, right? There's all these different camps that wherever someone can be. Um, I'm happy to know that you and I exist in the messy mm-hmm. middle of all of it. Mm-hmm. But this thought of, okay, I need to love myself however I look, however I feel. It's hard to do that. Like, it's just not, it's not something that we necessarily are fine to be so easy, right? Even if we give someone the skill to recognize, okay, I'm making this choice, I'm making that choice. It's like this level of like people saying, all right, you should love yourself, however you are, however you look. I do think people should have that. However, I've been privileged to live in a small frame my entire life. And that Mm -hmm. comes with different body image issues than someone who has been in a larger body for their entire life. So it's important to have that when you're working with someone, to have that when you coexist with other people, this level of awareness that a message for me saying to love your body no matter how you are, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't really hold the same understanding behind it. I mean, I want that for someone, but Again, I I have I have been privileged. I have all of those things that someone else I can empathize, but again, I still will not know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering I was wondering your thoughts on that. Specifically because like you you also exist in the same world that I exist in and you coach all these women dealing with the same feelings or ideas. When when that idea comes up of you just got to love yourself, it doesn't matter. Like, what are your what are your thoughts on that? Well, so I think I think first of all, there's like a kind of a foundational, I guess, like level set I would want to have on that conversation is that I don't. I don't believe you have to love yourself to be loving to yourself. I don't think you absolutely have to love everything about your body to love your body as well. And I I think we can act lovingly and act respectful to ourselves in the way that we move our bodies and the way that we speak to ourselves and the way that we feed ourselves. And still feel like I'm not, I don't actually love myself, 
you know, it's, it's similar to the way we talk about motivation. People want to wait until they feel motivated to do the thing. And us coaches are like, no, 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 you got to do the thing. And then you will feel motivated. Like feelings can lead to actions, but actions can also lead to feelings. And in my experience, if women wait until they love themselves to treat themselves with love and respect, they are going to be waiting a really long time. And I say that because love, cultivating love for, again, for anything, if we take this out of outside the, the context of the relationship you have with yourself, to learn to love my partner took time. And I had to get to know them and I had to understand them. And we had to go through some trials and errors and some ups and downs. It didn't just happen overnight, right? Um, and even in that partnership, there are times when I maybe am frustrated or I don't love like my kids, for example. I love my kids whole with all my heart. They still do stuff that I don't love. I'm like, stop it. Like, don't, don't, don't do that. There are aspects of them when they wake up in the morning, I'm like, go brush your hair. Like, that's not a good look. I, I don't, I don't talk to them like that, but I still love them and I still am respectful. Right. So you can see how you embody those behaviors with other people, but, um, I think like forcing self-love as a precursor to weight loss or change, like that's way more likely to turn people off because for so many people that just feels really out of reach. Like it's like unfathomable that they could love themselves in the body they're in, regardless of what body they're in. Yeah. It's so, I really appreciate you sharing that insight into that, Annie, because the the thing that I've come to notice is if we tell someone, let's say we were like the intention is it's a good intention. It comes, it, you know, like any comment on someone's body size, someone will say it and they'll then say, oh, it's a good intention. No, you don't know the person. You don't know where they are in their journey. It's neither here nor there. And they didn't ask for it. But if we do look at this idea of like self-love, and then what does that say if someone wants to change their body? Does it mean they don't love themselves, mm -hmm. right? We can easily go that, down that rabbit hole. So I, I wholeheartedly agree and appreciate the level of awareness around this to be like, no, even if you wake up and you don't love the way you look this day, it doesn't mean you should stop doing any of the amazing skills and habits you've been practicing. Mm -hmm. We can't have love 24-7 and love doesn't have a singular definition. Like that's the other thing. It's a value. Love is a value technically, right? Mm -hmm. you, you, however you want to show that in the world, that's up to you, right? Mm -hmm. I can't really say you're right or wrong. Like that's, that's, that's you. But I can say that that level of awareness or that ability to just be like, all right, I'm going to do this thing. Even though I look like a potato sack today, I'm going to do the thing. I'm going to, I'm going to do the thing that would make Mr. or Mrs. Potato Head proud to call me their partner or mm -hmm. for myself, proud, proud of myself, make myself proud. I think that's the thing that gets tripped up is like, okay, well, I'll get praise from others. I'll get, I'll get validation. But the reality of it is, is like, I'm making myself proud and like, you know, I'm, I'm making myself feel by doing the thing versus I'm chasing the thing. It's like, it's, it's a byproduct. 
Yeah. Well, and what I also heard in that example, Chris, was self-compassion. Like that, that is self-compassion and self-love is not just blowing smoke up your ass every day. Like I'm good. I'm lovable. I'm worthy. I'm desirable. I'm beautiful. I, you know, self-compassion is the conversation you have in your head on the days you feel like a potato and you're like, Hey, today's a rough day. You're really struggling with how you look today. You're really struggling with your body. You're really struggling with what you saw on the scale. And I know that's difficult. And I know you don't want to wrestle with this anymore, but we've got to keep going. We've got to take these actions because you're worth it. And I know it's hard and you can do it. But the approach that people take is I can only love myself when I'm doing these things. I can only love myself when the scale says this, when I'm perfect, when I eat on my meal plan, when I nail my macros, when I under eat my calorie goal, then I, then like, and th that is, that is like conditional as it gets. I am only going to give myself when I meet love, when I meet this criteria, but yet it's like most people don't want to conditionally love themselves. They want unconditional love. And, and I think what holds people back from practicing unconditional love behaviors, which I would argue then leads to actual unconditional love or self-compassionate behaviors, which then leads to feeling more self-compassionate is a fear that if they do these things, they are going to become complacent. They're going to let themselves off the hook. They're going to sit on the couch. They're going to Netflix. They're going to chill. They're going to order and DoorDash every single night. They're never going to move their bodies and they are going to stay in the state that they are in, which they don't like forever. And some people might do that, but I would say that's not self-compassion. That's not self-love. And if that's the result that you have, then we need to like check what we're actually doing because self-compassion isn't letting yourself off the hook. Self-compassion is saying, okay, you had fun. You had the night off, you Netflix, you chilled, you ordered in DoorDash. It's time to eat a vegetable. <laughs> like we got to go move our bodies. Right. It's, it's this idea of, you know, I, 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 I'm writing an article right now all about like if folks who want to go out to eat and then they feel like they've messed everything up by enjoying themselves, like talking about all these different approaches, things, whether they be weight neutral, whether they be weight loss, whatever it is. But the thing that automatically happens to everyone, diet culture in and of itself. And I know you and I are talking about weight loss, but we're still not at that far end of diet culture that says you have to nail your macros or you're failing. You have to be a mm -hmm. size two or your, your, what's the point? That's not where we're existing, but so much of it thrives and is built on all or nothing. Like that's just what it is. It, it, it literally is. And your ability to recognize thoughts as they arise and say, Oh, that's a diet thought. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. I'm not going to try to change it. I'm not trying to try to smother it. I'm going to sit with it, go do the things maybe that feeling will be there or maybe it will pass. I can't control it just like the waves in an ocean. You just got to let them crash and let them go. It doesn't mean you stop swimming. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean you stop paddling. It doesn't mean you let it pull you under. It means you, you coexist with it like any other feeling. And I think that's so scary for people because it's like, wait, you're saying that it's normal to have 
a feeling like that. And yeah, all feelings are technically normal. They're mm-hmm. meant, they're designed to be there. Maybe they shine a flashlight on some sort of other feeling you have. Yeah. But that's, that's what gets, I think that's what gets like thrown off for people is like, they have this and then when they don't hit the thing, they go into fuck it mode. Yeah. Yeah. They go, they go into this mode. Where, where, what does any of it matter? Fuck it. Yeah. Like, well, that's, you know. And um, I think the the skill of sitting with those uncomfortable emotions and not reactively like or habitually responding to them is a game changer for so many of our members. And I guarantee everyone listening to this episode right now, they could they can see other areas of their life where they have been able to do that. How many times have you been at work and you thought, fuck this, I'm done? I could like, I'm out, I'm going to book a vacation. I'm getting on a plane and I'm, I'm leaving. And you have these visions of like, I'm just gonna, I just, I just need to, to tap out or your, you, this is me right now. I really want a comfy sectional for my basement. I don't need it. It would be really nice to have. I probably should be spending the money elsewhere, but there's part of me, there's days where I'm like, let's just do it. Let's just, let's just, let's just impulsively, like, let's just go and spend a couple thousand on this amazing sectional. I don't do that because I am a responsible grown adult who wants to take care of herself and knows that like this decision in the moment is going to not set you up for success down the road. Like you want this, I see it, I hear it, I feel it. We're not going to do it. Right. Yeah. I mean, like we do that all the time as adults, but yet when it comes to dieting, we see a picture of ourselves on Facebook and it's like this hot potato and it's so uncomfortable, the shame, the guilt, the embarrassment, the frustration that we feel in that moment. It's like, get this hot potato out of my hands. I want to throw it to some somewhere else. I don't want to hold on to it. So I'm going to start a diet. I'm going to do this thing because I cannot sit here and be like, wow. This is, I'm really uncomfortable right now. I could talk about this all day. Can you tell? (laughs) No, 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 no. And it's amazing because, because in actuality, it's like, okay, now Annie has said all these things. Okay. Now I'm aware that at work I do this, right? Annie, the cool thing you said is like, I want to buy a sectional. I'm not going to do it because I'm responsible. The thing that stands out for me in that when I hear you say that is like, I want to buy it and I actually could if I wanted to. Mm -hmm. Same thing goes for for weight loss and nutrition. I want to have an entire pizza. I totally can. I have full permission to do that. However, I'm a responsible adult. I am aware that if I eat an entire pizza in one sitting, I'm not going to feel great. 20 minutes later. I'm not going to feel great an hour later. Mm-hmm. So it's like what what is actually going to allow me to feel those that 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 feeling of being satisfied, that feeling of of feeling like I can actually go for a walk with my family after, right? There's all these different things that play in and when I'm coaching someone, we totally start off like weight neutral. There is no there's no calorie counting, there's none of that. I personally consider calorie counting an advanced skill. If you Mm -hmm. can't tell me when you normally eat and what you eat and how you feel when you eat it, 
why the heck would you think I would be like, all right, we're going to, we're going to eat 1800 calories a day and we're going to track your protein and we're going to, why would I give that? That's so advanced for someone mm -hmm. who doesn't even know any of those foundational skills that are just health promoting. They have nothing to do with weight loss. It's just making you feel a little bit better so you can get through the day and have not feel like you need to collapse on the couch every five seconds, you know? Yeah. And, and not to mention that that approach I think is really dismissive of the individual's experience. Like it actually doesn't matter if you're hungry or not, you need to eat. I mean, how, like, I don't know about you, but back in my macro counting days, it was like, okay, six meals a day. Doesn't really matter. Like I don't even eat. I don't even know if I knew what hunger felt like <laughs> truly. Um, but it was, it was just like, you eat by the clock, you eat by your, your meal plan, you eat by whatever's been prescribed to you. And it doesn't really matter how you feel. And that was also the same advice that I was given to manage my emotional eating, which was literally just stop. And it's like, if that was helpful, I would have done it by now. Like if, if, if it was that easy for me to just stop it, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't still be struggling. And it's quite, uh, quite honestly, it's insulting because I am smart. I am talented. I am resourceful. I am determined as is all of our members. I mean, we've got some bad ass members. They are doing some like big, impressive things, regardless of their career or their family structure or whatever, like they're doing some really cool things with their lives. And to, to tell them just like, just to stop, it's like, please, these women have had babies and careers and gone back to school at 50 and recovered from losing the loves of their lives and battled cancers. Like, and you're going to tell them to just stop. Like that's insulting. <laughs> They're not done. It, it's not, it's not that easy. You know, one of the things that I get like a lot of pushback on when I do talk about it is like, yes, technically calories in versus calories out, like a calorie deficit. Yeah. That's how you lose weight. I do say it all the time. But with the caveat, like, however, you're a human. Mm -hmm. There is more to it than what exists in a lab, what exists with pen and paper. There's more going on within your life, within, within every day. It is completely unfair to tell someone just to eat less and move more. While mm -hmm. in theory, that technically is what happens if we do some of these health promoting behaviors, telling someone to do that, and then they try to do it and can't do it. You're not solving anything. You're just making someone feel bad. You're making For someone your feel advice, <laughs> right? It's just it's it's not it's not it's not it's clearly the sign of someone who has not worked with actual individuals. There are plenty of coaches out there who are weight loss coaches or or diet fix coaches or gut health coaches or detox coaches, whatever whatever woo woo name they want to go by. And then someone signs up to coach with them and they never see their face. Mm -hmm. They never talk with them on the phone. They just mm -hmm. get email correspondence. They get maybe a training plan that they copy and paste from everyone else. Yeah. They get, they get, you know, they're telling, they're telling Betty Sue to do like five sessions a week that each are like an hour long. Mm -hmm. And Betty Sue has like four kids and is a stay-at-home mom and one of the and two of the kids are under <laughs> the ages of five and like what are you doing like what are mm -hmm. you doing 
Mm-hmm. Like that sets the bar at a level. Like it, you got to meet people where they're at. I know you're all about that. I yes. didn't mean for yes. that to rhyme. No. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> preach. I, I totally get it. I, um, you know, and that's actually how Jen and I connected because we were in this, we were in this like habit behavior change group for coaches and professionals. And it was a very small group. It was maybe 20 of us. And the majority of the members were young men. And there were, I, I don't know if there were what the relationship status was or not, but most of them did not have kids. And as a result, they would come to this group and they would tag Jen and I, and they'd be like, Hey, the moms, like I need the moms to weigh in here because I have this client. She's having an experience I can't connect with. And I don't know like what's reasonable advice. And so Jen and I would weigh in and I'm so thankful for men like that in the, in the field that are, it's like, I'm not even going to pretend that I know what you're going through. I'm going to consult some other resources. I'll get back to you. Um, but that have empathy for like the whole human experience instead of like, well, I can do it. Why can't you? It's because you're 20, Steve, and you don't have kids. All right. You have one dog, you work in a gym fitness is your life. You have a lot of free time. Like no, no shade to Steve. It's just like, you know, and, and it's not that people, young, young men or young trainers that don't have families or, or that maybe have full-time jobs and are coaching on the side, can't connect to, to someone like me at my stage of life. But it's just like, I want to work with someone who sees me as a whole human who respects that maybe even if my experience isn't their experience, they still have strive for empathy and understanding and don't just tell me to just stop. Why is it? I don't understand why you can't spend four hours a week meal prepping. I just don't get it (laughs) because I don't like to cook. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I don't like to cook. I don't have the time or energy to actually stand there and follow like six new recipes you've sent me. Like Mm -hmm. what? Um, but, But there's this other thing about it where, because you existed as a, a coach, like before shifting to three, six, five, like you worked with all these individuals, especially in a group fitness setting. I've worked with tons of trainers. Like I've, I've helped other trainers, like at different facilities, you know, and the thing I get asked a lot is like, okay, like what books should I read? What training resources, what certifications should I do? look, certifications are a piece of paper. They're wonderful. Mm -hmm. You do have to practice them. You do have to like use it on yourself before you do it with the client. Like that's my number one thing. Like go attend a weekend seminar. That's great. You can't use it with your clients until you, you experience yourself when it comes from like a training standpoint, when it comes from like the nutrition practices, it's like, yes, in theory, things will work, but it's a lot of trial and error. And it's Mm -hmm. that you have to be upfront about that. It, you can't make it seem like you have all the answers because you won't. Mm-hmm. You have to be a little bit of nutrist, nutritionally agnostic. You can't be in one camp or the other. But I think the most powerful thing a trainer can read is something like motivational interviewing, is mm-hmm. something like emotional intelligence, is something like anything by Brene Brown, mm-hmm. anything, anything by... Um, what is the other book? I can't even think of it. Anything that deals with values and your awareness around that, like psychology books, mm-hmm. because I think that's what's missing a lot. This, mm-hmm. this 
ability to empathize, this ability to be curious, this ability to actually ask questions of someone else and wait for their response before being like, well, actually, this yeah. meta-analysis says, <laughs> you know, it's just like that. Yes, it's cool. But you're talking with a human. You're not talking with, you're talking with someone you're working with. You're not talking with another professional. They don't care yeah. what a meta-analysis says. They care, yeah. they care like anecdotally and they care like that you are hearing them and seeing them. I, that's exactly what I was thinking of, Chris, is, um, and I think this is just an amazing life skill, even if you aren't in the industry. Um, we spend a shitload of time with our coaches on listening skills. And that probably sounds underwhelming, but in general, I don't think people are great listeners, you know, and it is a skill. And oftentimes in coaching conversations with our members, I'm not, I'm not recommending how many grams of protein they need or how many minutes of movement. I am literally listening to the underlying like problems, the themes, the patterns, their words, like their language they're choosing to use. I'm reflecting back what I hear. And often in doing so, they're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't think of it. You know, like when, when I heard you say that back to me, it really like hit home or, or whatever. Like it's, it's very little about the actual like knowledge of nutrition or the knowledge of movement and more like you just need to listen, shut your mouth and listen. Yeah. I mean, you'll notice listeners, you'll notice that during this conversation, I've paused like quite a bit before responding. And it's because I'm not thinking of the next thing I'm going to say. Mm -hmm. I'm listening and like actually letting it sink in and speaking. And I think in our world, in our culture, people are afraid of pause. People are afraid of the space that it that it takes up, but that space needs to be there so you can actually shift and sift through all of these ideas. And if you are coaching with someone or working with anyone, that should be a big indicator for you. Mm -hmm. Are they actually listening to me? And are they okay with not knowing the answer? I think in the 11 years I've been doing this, I can be open and honest and say I was a horrible listener <laughs> when I first started because I wanted to have all the answers. And even now, I don't have all the answers. I won't. Mm -hmm. I, in theory, know what should work. But again, I work with humans. I don't work with robots. Mm -hmm. What works for one person won't work for the other person. I could try. Yeah. And then we yeah. adjust. That, that's it. And you know that from working with thousands of people at this point, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's not uncommon for women to get on a coaching call and essentially want me to tell them the answer. And... I could, I could offer some recommendations or I could share some insights on what's worked well for other members in the past based in a, in a similar situation. But I think that 
when we don't listen, when we don't ask questions, when we don't consult the member, when the member isn't an active part of the solution process, it makes us no different than any other diet program that's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even actually care what you have to say about it because regardless of your answer, this is my answer. This is, this is going to be my response. And so, and, and I think that again, that's how you build, how members build that self-trust. Like I could give you some ideas. If you just want some ideas, I could give you some ideas, but I think, you know, I think, you know, enough to take the next step and encouraging that instead of just handing them the next step is I think way more impactful. Yeah. And you know, what's really cool. Uh, there are tons of research studies out there. Uh, there are though that say if someone is on this weight loss journey, if that's their goal or their intention, developing self-efficacy is a huge part of it. That's mm -hmm. why balance three, six, five. That's why I don't do this. I don't offer meal plans. I don't do that. One, because it's technically out of my scope of practice in the state I exist in, like the state where I live. Mm -hmm. But truly, for most people, it probably is out of their scope of practice. They can offer certain things, but you really can't prescribe a meal plan unless you're a registered dietitian. Mm -hmm. Like you technically can't. Um, but the other side of that is what when you stop working with that person? Are you going to eat the same three dishes every single day for the rest of your life? Mm -hmm. Are you going to avoid, are you going to have to bring your food in Tupperware when you go somewhere? That's not giving you efficacy. That's creating dependence on others. That's the total opposite of that word. <laughs> um, right. It's, it's the, it's, it's the exact opposite. So I don't know. I think, I think there's a place for tough love and a place for understanding. It, it, it's, it's this big smorgasbord of, of different approaches, but but yeah, the, the whole purpose is that you won't need us forever. Yeah. And even if you want to stick around forever, that's cool. We're, we're all for <laughs> it. But the, the hope is at some point, you're like, oh, I can do this. And maybe you take a break. You know, I'm in therapy. Mm -hmm. I feel really good. You know, mm -hmm. when I don't feel great, when I stop it all together, because I feel really good. Yeah. Maybe I just go once a month. Maybe yeah. I go twice twice a month. Maybe then I go four times a month because I'm like, now nah, I'm in a place. But it, there's always that level of contact. And it's not mm -hmm. because I can't do it myself. It's because sometimes you need someone on the outside to let you kind of see all of those things just exactly as you do, uh, Annie, when you're coaching someone. It's like, oh, okay, that's really what it is. That's the whole point of that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's um, like getting your legs under you, you know? And when you're learning to, when you're learning to ride a bike, you know, especially early in the process, it's a lot of wobbling. It's a lot of starting and stopping and, and falling and getting back up and getting back on and falling again. And then you have some, some stretches where maybe you ride like the whole length of the block and then you go around the block and then sometimes you fall again because you like try something, you try to go off a curb or you try like no hands. And having, having some support or at least a community, some resources that you can kind of reconnect to and reground yourself. I think that's a great idea, but you're right. I, I hope that ultimately people in balance 365 are staying because they see the value in the community and the support and they want that additional like cushion, not, but not because they are reliant on it forever. 
And if I am just giving you the answers to the test and you're not actually acquiring the knowledge and the skills, I have done you a misservice. Like that is, that is a failing on my part. Yeah. I think any, you know, it truly is a disservice when we, when we do that. And the other part of it is if we are truly practicing like skills, like skill work, right? That's what we can, nutrition skills, eating skills, whatever we want to call it at this point. Skills imply you're going to make mistakes. It doesn't imply you're a failure for mistakes. It implies you have to make a mistake to learn how maybe not to do that again, how to learn how to come up with a different plan or game plan if those things happen more often. And that's how you make the progress. That's why it's not linear. That's why it never will be. And if someone's telling you it is, they're they're full of poops and lies. Uh, mm-hmm. There's no need to, you know, say that. Um, Annie, I I absolutely love all of this. Look, if someone if someone's struggling with some of this stuff, I know they can come to Balance Three Six Five. But I know you guys are are pretty pretty. You have windows when people can enroll mm-hmm. and things like that. How how would someone like learn more about this or maybe get get a little more involved? What are some opportunities yeah. for them? Um, you can find us at balance365.com. Uh, we do have live trainings periodically throughout the year on various topics that so many of our community members are struggling with, like nighttime snacking, emotional eating, cutting the crap, like telling yourself the truth, like giving yourself that kind of tough love. Um, and you can find information about all of that inside our free Facebook group, Weight Loss Without Restriction. Um, would love to have you on the inside. I think it's a great resource, whether you want to join any of our programs or services or not, like that's a really good starting point. Oh, I think that's rad. And I'll be sure to uh, put links to that in the show notes so folks can check that out. Um, I also have links for your social media if they want to they want to see what's going on in your world with your dog, your kids, <laughs> your amazing tips for your for your eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> we need I to, we Annie, need to. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I saw you. I saw you use a uh, beard dye for your eyebrows, and I thought that yes. was the most genius thing that someone could do. Yeah, I loved it. I I am all about the hacks that save me time but get me results I want. I'm not trying to hack weight loss. To be to be clear, though, there are no hacks for that. Um, but we need to uh, get together to discuss curly hair routines at some point. Oh yeah. I mean, I could be completely honest with you. I don't even want to hear it. It's a level right now where I just put Uh a hat on. That's what I do. Uh, But when it's short, I could do stuff. When it's long, when it's like I don't get a cut for two years, it's like I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. That's where my son's hair is right now. He looks just like a little a fluff ball of hair, falls in his face. He gets frustrated with, doesn't know what to do with it. So, I mean, it's interesting. You probably have much better tips than I do. Well, no, I think it's, that's probably like a typical, like, it seems like men often are like, Oh, I have this, these lush curls and I don't do anything. I just use like a two in one shampoo and I let it air dry. And I'm like, that's so cute. (laughs) I mean, to be honest, if I never met my wife, I'd probably still be doing that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Head and head and shoulders from, from Walgreens, uh, never did me harm, but I guess using nice other things, my wife seems to get me on Amazon (laughs) works out better for my hair. It's a form of love. Uh, yes, yes. Annie, so I have one question I ask everyone. Uh, it's, it's, it's a doozy, 
but people oh, tend to actually get reflective with it. If you could go okay. back in time, you could choose how you do it. You could be the De- 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 DeLorean if you want to go back to the future. If you've seen any of the Avengers movies, you could just hop in that machine and go back. Basically, you're going back to when you first started this whole this whole journey. It could be when you started as a uh, a trainer. It could be when you started uh, just wanting to make those changes for yourself, like adding things into your life. What is one little piece of wisdom that you would want to give yourself? Not to change anything, just so you have it in the back of your mind. Um, that's a really good question. One piece of wisdom I would give myself would be it's going to be better than you imagined. I think that's what I, and I, and I, and I feel that I feel that that's true. Mm. It's my, my career, my life, uh, my relationship with food and my body and weight, my, my movement. Like I have had like, it's been so much better than I ever thought possible. So stay open to being surprised. (laughs) I absolutely love that. I really, I really, really do. I think people need to hear that and be aware of that, you know, and it's not going to look how you thought it was going to look. Oh like my that's God, really no. what it's, <laughs> it never, it never, it never looks how you think it's going to look. And usually when you're chasing for it to look a specific way, you're missing out on all the other amazing things that are happening. Mm-hmm. So Annie, I really appreciate you making the time to be here today. And for sharing this information with the folks listening, if folks are checking out this podcast, because you're a huge fan of Balance 365 and a fan of Annie, I really appreciate you being here. If you could give me like a five star review on Spotify, on on uh, anywhere you're actually listening to this, it's always helpful. Someone else might hear this uh, who, who needed it right now today. And you can check back through all the other episodes uh i don't even know what number this is at this point but there are two episodes (laughs) that come out a week one with a guest like annie and one where it's just a solo cast and they're mini and they're under 20 minutes where i break down a nutrition and fitness topic easy and digestible just for you and it's my lush voice um (laughs) without further ado uh, i hope you all go do great things because you can